And uh, last week we uh, finished up uh, the Kingdom series and talking about heaven. And uh, last week we talked about, uh, you know, the fact that uh, we are going to be with God for all eternity. And we are going to see God's face, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22. And uh, not only are we going to be with God and God is going to be with us, but uh, we're going to worship him for all eternity. And you think to yourself, you know, worship, that sounds really boring. But it is not boring in the least. And, you know, last week I asked, you know, what, what Christian concert have, uh, have you been to that, uh, that you just, uh, it, it was an awesome event. And you've been to several. Well, you know what? Those worship events... Uh, those concerts that we've been to uh, here on earth, they're not even going to compare to what the worship that we're going to in- encounter and experience uh, for all eternity. It is going to be ma- amazing. And that joy, that energy that, uh, that fills you, that's a... The, the joy is going to be even purer, and it's never going to fade away in heaven. I mean, heaven is an amazing place. And not only are we going to worship him, but we're going to serve God. And, uh, and so we looked at that last week, but uh, we're going to continue in part two this morning. And, uh, and this morning's message is going to be more... Uh, when we talk about heaven, it's going to be more relational in, in nature. And the reason why it's going to be so relational is because we get a taste, a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like by listening, by watching or reading um, the life of Christ post-resurrection. As he encounters, as he spends 40 days uh, with his disciples post-resurrection, there are things that we can glean from there that we can look forward to. And, uh, and last week we, we talked about the fact that, uh, you know, heaven, you know, we're going to be with God. There's not going to be any more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more winters. You know, it's it's going to be a perpetual season of harvest for all eternity. Now, I know that that might disappoint some of you who are ski, skiers, uh, you know, winter skiers. I'm sure they're still going to be skiing in, in heaven, okay? So you're going to still be able to enjoy that. But uh, in the valley where the fruit grows, continual harvest. It's not going to be like my pomegranate tree. Okay, and I think I've got, you know, this is my pomegranate stick. (laughs) You know, I I had high hopes for this pomegranate tree this this spring. And this is what I've been looking, working so hard to grow. And there is not much. But uh, I'm going to take a picture with my grandkids behind that pomegranate tree. And by faith, I'm trusting that uh, this is going to grow and flourish and be something beautiful. But in heaven, 
pomegranate trees are not going to look like that. Okay? So that is some really good news. There's no darkness. There's no evil. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter uh, 20, I think, it, yeah, 21 verse 24, that, that kings of the nations are going to come in or are going to be going in and out of the new Jerusalem. Kings of the earth, of the new earth. What that tells me is that there are going to be nations. And there are going to be cities. We looked at the mina a few weeks ago. And people who are responsible or faithful uh, servants with what God has entrusted to them with the gospel here on earth, they're going to be over cities. There's probably going to be city council meetings in heaven. But it's going to be a love fest at those city council meetings. Because there's no sin. There's no hidden agenda. Everybody gets along and everybody wants what's best for each other. This is heaven. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, boy, Pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. My question to you is why not? You know what? God created matter. God created the earth. When God created what we have to enjoy here today, he said, it is very good. Now, it's been marred by sin. There's, there's, there's a lot of grief and heartache. Yes, I understand that. But the Bible says when Jesus returns, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that matter that matters to God that he's created, it's going to be made perfect. So there's going to be a lot of familiar things in the new earth and the new new heaven. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning um, in terms of relationship. <clears throat> And the reason why we can look forward to these things, church, is because the resurrection, Easter Sunday morning, gives us great hope. If it happened in the life of Jesus, and Jesus has promised uh, that these things are going are to happen, that he's going to return, we can have great hope in the midst of adversity. Bible says in Romans 3.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is not our home. We have far more to look forward to. And as I talk about uh, heaven today, it's going to be very relational. Um, in this message this morning. I want to talk about the table. You know, as you look at Scripture, as you look at eternity, the table, uh, the feast, is a very powerful um, picture in Scripture. 
and the resurrection of Christ, if our lives are in Christ and we are followers of his, his resurrection guarantees you and I a seat at his table. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus and his resurrection is the first fruit. And as we look at Jesus' life, what happened with Jesus is going to happen to every one of us whose lives are in Christ. And just as he rose from the dead, so are we. And his resurrection secures our seat at the table. There's tables in heaven. There's eating and drinking in heaven. You know, the Bible says over a, mentions feast over 187 times. 187 times the feast is mentioned. And when you look at the feast, as you look at the saints of old um, uh, gathered together, there's a lot of celebration. There's a lot of relationship taking place, and there is a lot of joy. And Jesus' life is a foretaste of what we are all going to experience. Look at Luke chapter 24 this morning, verses 40 through 43. The Bible says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, talking to his disciples. And while they still not did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Here is the resurrected, immortal, eternal body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is eating fish. He is having breakfast with his disciples. Church, this is important. There's going to be feasting in heaven. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, he promised, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Folks, we're going to be dining at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I don't know how big this table is. Uh, I don't know how many people can sit around the table. But we have all eternity to have the opportunity to dine with Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Another great aspect of heaven, there's not going to be any name tags in heaven. Everybody is going to know each other's name. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, the Bible says, 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know where you're at this morning in your relationship with the Lord. But you are invited. You have received an invitation to feast at his supper. But my question to you this morning is, have you received, have you accepted that invitation? You have to accept it for yourself in order to go. It, it's going to be a feast beyond one's comprehension and imagination. The food is going to be incredible. Look what Isaiah chapter 25 verse 6 says. Isaiah says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast. Think of that for a second. The Lord Almighty is is serving you. He's getting ready for this feast. He's preparing a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Now, I think that there are some Adventists and uh, Baptists right now who uh, are concerned about that menu. (laughs) But this is what Scripture says. It is going to be a feast that nothing else could ever touch. And it's all going to be prepared by God himself. You know, there's another uh, passage in Scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, that when we, when we get to this uh, feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17 says, To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give that person a white stone with a name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. When you get to the banquet, there's going to be a place setting for you. And there's going to be a white stone in front of your seat, and God will have given you a new name. I have no idea. We have no idea what that name is going to be, but God has a place reserved for you. Do you believe that? Are you looking forward to that? You know, I, I uh, was talking to Gene uh, this week before, uh, while he was in the hospital, and I said, uh, you know, Gene, when I get to heaven, I want to eat at your table. <laughs> Would you save me a, a seat at your table? And uh, he said, well, I'll do my best, Pastor, but that depends on how pretty she looks. <laughs> But God has a place setting waiting for you. And at this table, there's going to be conversation. There's going to be relationship. There is going to be life. And you know those moments when you're at your table with your family and your friends and those relationships that are occurring. 
That's going to be going on for all eternity. The table is really important. And that brings me to a table that my son made for his mother at Christmas time. Um, Kyle, uh, if you were here uh, Christmas morning, uh, we talked a little bit, I mentioned a little bit about this table, and we were already a, 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 a puddle of tears uh, before church had started that morning. Uh, just, you know, Kyle uh, presenting his mother the, the dining room table and, and us blessing uh, the table. Um, but after church and before we had uh, Christmas lunch, uh, Kyle read this letter uh, to all of us. Um, and again, we were a puddle of tears. And you've not heard this part of the story before, but I thought it was very appropriate for uh, this Resurrection Sunday. So I, I want to read the, uh, the letter that uh, Kyle wrote his mom uh, in presenting this table to her. And you know, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, you know, we were all shocked that Kyle could do such a thing. I mean, he's never made he's never made anything in his life. He takes after his dad. He can't work with his hands. And for for a few last few years, he was talking about one of these days. You know, he's going to make a, a table for mom where the whole family can sit at this table. It is a huge table. I think we have there's there's a table right there. It can seat fourteen people. And. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I thought, well, Kyle, sure, you're going to make one one of these days. And lo and behold, he did. And then he read this letter to his mother and to all of us on Christmas morning. It goes like this. Mom, you might know this, not know this about me, but I have an oddly high view of dinner. Each time I talk about what Christianity is, I can't help but mention much, but mention food. I know it seems a bit off the wall. Let me explain a little. I met a chef, a culinary teacher back in September. The conversation was rather boring, but she seemed like she was looking for some company. When I found out that she was a chef, I started berating her with questions about what she thought about the spirituality of food. To my surprise, she hadn't much of an answer. I assumed somebody who dedicated their life to food would think about it more carefully. So she flipped the question on me. What did I think about food? I told her very simply, I think grace is given when you share a meal with another person. The sharing of a meal has so many connections in Christianity. Food was a form of God's mercy to the Israelites in the desert through manna. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is either teaching lessons or telling parables over a meal. He fed 5,000 with a meager offering from a boy. On the road to Emmaus, he taught two of his disciples how the Old Testament teaches about himself. The disciples were amazed, but had no idea it was Jesus until he had broke the bread with them. Jesus revealed himself through dinner. However, the story that matters most for this Christmas is the story 
of my upbringing. You were, were a stickler for dinner. I always had a 5.30 curfew. It was dinner time. And oftentimes I missed that 5.30 curfew. And, uh, and I heard about it. <laughs> it was important that we be there at 5.30. You prioritized our family dinners over everything else. When I told the chef, grace is given when you share a meal, I didn't really quite know where that came from. It was just something I innately knew. Something I always knew but never voiced. As I reflected on that, I realized that you put those words in my mouth. I'd be afraid to calculate how many hours you spent preparing meals for us. You always did it selflessly. You were imitating Christ. But I didn't realize it for many years. The number of conversations we had over the dinner table. The fights. Oh, the fights. Especially when Kyle and Allison were in junior high and high school. Yes, there were fights. We are not a perfect family. There were fights. There were tears. There was laughter. There was mourning. And there was joy. But none of them would have happened if you didn't give us that 5.30 curfew. I'm not sure I would ever know my brothers and sisters as well as I do without dinner. My theology, my understanding of what dinner is originates from you. It doesn't come from a textbook or a classroom. It comes from growing up with you as my mom. I kind of see this table as an extension of those meals that we shared. I know every detail. I know its flaws. I know its strengths. I can point to the places you you should look and the places you shouldn't. I've had my hand on every square inch of this table. I have said words over this table that you wouldn't be happy to hear. <laughs> Come from my mouth. More sweat than I care to recall and has fallen onto the boards of this table. I've had emotions of pure ecstasy and total fear over this table. I've had times when I've felt incredibly dumb. I've had times when I felt incredibly accomplished. And when I started to work on this table, I needed gloves to avoid splinters. But over time, this table has become smooth to the touch. Don't be fooled, it still has flaws, but it's infinitely better than it was as raw wood. As raw wood, it was nothing more than a pile. It wasn't even all that pretty. It had jagged edges. The wood wasn't flat, nothing fit together, but it had potential. Over time, that pile of wood transformed into something I'm deeply proud of. And truth be told, I'm in love with this table. I'm guessing that's how you feel about our family. Granted, I only spent a few months on this table. You've spent much longer on our family. You know our flaws. You know our strengths. You can talk for hours while, 
why you're proud of each one of us. You've sweat, you've bled, you've cried, you've laughed over so many details of our lives. You've had a hand on every aspect of our character. And more than that, the way you've mimicked Christ by doing the menial task of making dinner every night gave us all an understanding of Jesus. And look at us. We all love Jesus. I'm totally convinced that this is so because this is so because of your 5:30 curfew. One of my favorite passages of scripture is the parable of the great banquet. The story as you know deals with a king whose son is being wed. He invites all the dignitaries and important members of society to the wedding banquet to celebrate. Oddly enough, or oddly enough, they all have excuses not to attend. So the king sends out his servants to invite everybody, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the beggar. The servant comes back after doing his task and tells the king, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Does that phrase stick with you as it does with me? There is still room. That's what it was like growing up. I love Easter at our house. We never invited enough people. Our house was a massive party, but you couldn't, but you could always squeeze another in. In fact, you planned to invite people at the last minute. I remember there always being an extra peanut butter egg because of you. Because you wanted to make sure everybody had their traditional name tag. Rarely do people think like that. People who are invited last minute tend to feel that last minuteness. But when they arrived at our house with their own special egg, that awkwardness fell to the wayside. They felt belonged. They felt loved. Mom, thank you. Thank you for witnessing to me the goodness of the Lord's table by way of your table. Your dinners are nothing short of a glimpse of what we see in Revelation with the marriage supper of the Lamb. My prayer, my prayer is that this table that you've received today will continue to be for you an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with all whom surround it. I have no doubt that my prayer will be answered. Your love language is making food. Continue that good work. Invite the poor. Invite the widow. Invite the orphan. Invite the crippled. Invite the lonely. Invite the beggar. But please... Save a spot for me. The table. And that's just a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven, church. The table is going to be so relational, so celebratory. There's going to be so much joy. There's not going to be any more fights or tears. It's going to be sheer ecstasy. And it's going to take place for all eternity.
And I want you to know that Jesus wants you at that table. Jesus is very familiar with another piece of wood. A piece of wood that he carried as far as he could to Golgotha. He embraced that piece of wood. He created that piece of wood. And upon that cross, upon that piece of wood, Jesus paid the ultimate price because he wants you at his table. This is your invitation. Have you received that free gift? You might be here this morning and You've heard Kyle's letter and you think about your life growing up and maybe you didn't have that kind of family relationship. You know, maybe it was your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault. I don't know your backstory. I want you to know that if, if you haven't experienced this earthly gift, The amazing thing about heaven is that heaven is a great big do-over for all eternity. Maybe you didn't get the blessing here. You didn't pass on the blessing here. But for heaven, by God's grace and love and mercy and forgiveness... You're going to experience it for all eternity. And no, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve to sit at his table. It's all the grace of God. So have you taken him up on his invitation? He wants you at his table. And there is a place setting. There is a name. I think I have a picture of the of this egg. <sighs> These are the eggs that are going to be sitting in front of our, our table today, this afternoon, at East, for our Easter dinner. But I want you to know that there is a place setting with your name on it. And the only way you can be there is by confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 9, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you could declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Do you know Jesus personally? If you've never crossed that threshold of faith, I want to invite you 
to make that your heart's cry this morning. And ask the Lord to come into your life and to save. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? Do you believe that he came up out of the grave Easter Sunday, that Easter morning 2,000 years ago? Do you believe this in your heart? Tell him, confess, and you will be saved. Let's pray. This is your invitation. Jesus is inviting you this morning. He wants you to dine with him for all eternity. And this morning, if you've never made that profession of faith, today can be the day of your salvation. You just pray this simple prayer after me. If this is the desire of your heart, Father, thank you for allowing me to hear this message this morning. I need you to forgive me of my sin. I confess that I've done wrong. But by faith, Father, this morning, I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that he came up out of that grave that first Sunday morning 2,000 years ago and is alive. I believe that, God. And I ask that you would save me, that you would forgive me, to help me to live my life for you for the rest of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, God has heard that prayer. Not only, no longer are you just his creation, you are his child. And your seat is secured. There is a reservation. There is a place setting with your name on it. Don't keep that decision to yourself. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you if you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision this morning, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody or call anybody forward, but if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody pray that prayer this morning? I'm going to assume that we're all believers here this morning. Father, I thank you for what we have to look forward to. We've talked about a heaven this morning that I'm not sure we all understood or could grasp. But I thank you that, uh, Lord, the relationships that we've experienced, that we've longed for, that we've enjoyed, that's just a taste of what it's going to be like around your table for all eternity. And I I pray for those, uh, Father, that 
haven't received that blessing or haven't passed that blessing along. Lord, it's not too late. There's still opportunity to create those moments, those relationships here and now around our table. But in spite of all the mistakes, in spite of all the things that we've missed, we're not going to miss them there. Thank you, God, for your grace. And for each one that's here this morning, Jesus, we exalt you. We lift high your holy name. Thank you for allowing us to know you and to look forward to you for all eternity. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing this final song, We Exalt Thee.